0: Quieting. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well. Thank you, Ryan. Projecting. Um, I have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to go to Yellowstone on Thursday. And yeah, I've never been um, and thought, you know, there's some awesome stuff that I've heard about right here in the United States of America. I want to go experience some of it. So, um, going there on Thursday, and I'm glad. Thank you that you're excited about that, because I'm also excited. Um, I'm really hoping to see some wolves. So, like, I love traveling and seeing wildlife. I love, I went to Africa last year and, like, got punched in the chest by a gorilla in the middle of the jungle in Uganda. It was so good. Um, He was small, but still very strong, much stronger than I. Um... But yeah, I hope to see some wolves um, while I'm there. And as I was preparing for this message this morning, I was you know, thinking about that. And um, the wolves in Yellowstone have had an interesting history over the last 80 years. So in 1930, the last wolf pack in Yellowstone National Park was eradicated. And so for 80 years, there were no wolves in, um, in Yellowstone. And there were a lot of unintended consequences. Really, the wolves just had like a PR problem. Like, you know, there was this kind of, you know, big bad wolf mentality around wolves. And there were no wolves who were standing up to say, no, like, no, we're really good. And we're necessary for the environment. And so they were just eradicated from a lot of the U.S. And um, these unintended consequences, one of them was, um, obviously, they hunt elk in packs. And it wasn't necessarily that a lot of elks weren't dying anymore, but it was that the elks just got really lazy. And so the elks would just kind of set up camp in one place and eat all of the young tree shoots that were coming up out of the ground every spring. And so the, the elks stopped moving. They stopped migrating as much as they had before. And as a result of that, they were eating away all of the new tree growth. Well, the tree growth they were eating away were actually the trees that beavers needed for food and to build their dams. And so uh, by 1995, there was one beaver population left in all of Yellowstone. And in 1995, wolves were reintroduced into Yellowstone. And in the last however many years that is, do the math, somebody, is that 22 years ago? Who was born in, somebody in here was born in 1995. It was like, yes, I'm 22 years. Um <laughs> Uh, So they were reintroduced in 1995, and today there are nine beaver colonies, because what they found was when they put wolves back in, the elk very quickly started moving as they had moved before, and the trees started growing, and the beavers had food to eat, and not only did the beavers have food to eat, it, it had significant, because they were now building dams had significant effects on the physical landscape of all of Yellowstone. And In an article on Yellowstone's website, it said um, beaver dams have multiple effects on stream hydrology. They even out the seasonal pulses of runoff, store water for recharging the water table, and provide cold shaded water for fish, while the now robust willows, willows stand willow stands provide habitat for songbird birds. And so there was this kind of ripple effect as the result of move, removing the wolves and then putting the wolves back in, made the elk start moving again, made the trees start growing, gave the, the beavers food and opportunity to build dams, created pools for fish reach Rest- Restructured how the water flowed through the river, through the middle of Yellowstone and had this huge effect. And not only that, a lot of the elk were, uh, there was kind of this boom or bust for scavenger animals because the elk didn't have their main predator. They were still being pursued by bears and that kind of thing. But the older elk really would just kind of wait until it got really cold, and then they would die in the cold as opposed to this kind of constant picking off of the older elk out of time, over time. So it was this boom and bust of the opportunity for scavenger to have food and another quote from that same article scavengers that once relied on winter killed elk so this idea that the old elk would just live until the winter came they relied on winter killed elk for food now depend on wolf killed elk that benefits ravens eagles magpies coyotes and grizzly and black bears especially as the bears emerge hungry from hibernation and so is this kind of evening out of these the food that these scavengers were eating so all of that to say This, your presence in the ecosystem plays a unique and important role. We've been talking about loving community. Our idea that we're kind of moving through as a community together this year is loving community for bold exploration. And the idea that we create this platform of loving community so that we can be people who step out into boldness. And today we want to talk about this idea that your presence is important. And that because you're present in an environment, because you're present in this church, because you're present in this community, it has a significant effect. Your presence matters. And when you're missing, people should be able to notice. Let me simplify this kind of into this idea. When we're missing from our community, the people around us should be able to notice that something is missing when we're missing from our community, the people around us should be able to notice that something is missing. I'm gonna show you a couple of examples to, uh, to, this is Nicole Kidman missing hair. This is Cameron Diaz also missing hair. This is Justin Timberlake without eyebrows. <laughs> Simon Cowell without eyebrows. Okay. Ellen without teeth. And in honor of his new album, Harry Styles, also without. <laughs> yeah, we have some Harry Styles fans. Were you surprised at how unpoppy it was? It's like, oh, oh, sorry, I'm just not in the know. Okay, I was. Cool. When we're missing from our community, the people around us should be able to notice that something is missing. So today, this idea of loving community, loving community means being proactively present. Loving community means being proactively present. So we're gonna talk about that idea in a really simple way. This idea that proactively present means showing up, giving, and receiving. It means showing up, giving, and receiving. Proactive presence. So those two examples that I gave at the beginning show us the idea that we'll notice when something's missing. But when we're present, we don't just wanna be passively present, we wanna be proactively present. And that begins with showing up. Being proactively present means we show up. Because really the world is shaped by people who show up. Oh, I missed this verse in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This idea that each of us has gifts in various forms. And not only do we see this in First Peter, we see this in the letters and teachings of Paul throughout the New Testament as well. That God has given specific ones of us, specific gifts, and each of us has something unique to contribute to the ecosystem, the community around us. And our contribution is important, and that begins by being present. So the world is shaped by people who show up. Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, intentional sacrifice, and we talked about Jesus, and Jesus made intentional sacrifices, but not only did Jesus make intentional sacrifices, Jesus had an intentional agenda. He went to his disciples and he said to them, come follow me and i will make you fishers of men and jesus had an intentionality in his call to the disciples and he spent the next three years making intentional to sacrifice intentional sacrifices but the flip side of that is this idea of being proactively present because each of the disciples had a choice to make every day every one of those disciples had a choice to make am i going to show up today Or am I not going to show up today? And the ministry of Jesus was effective through the disciples because those disciples made a decision to be proactively present. They were there in physical form, but they were also there with an expectation that they had a role to play in the midst of the ministry that Jesus was carrying out. And in the same way, each of us has the opportunity to choose to be present in this room, And then also aware of the things that God wants to do in and through us as we're here together. And God is continuing to do this. It wasn't just in the relationship between Jesus and the disciples, and and Jesus was calling the disciples, and the disciples had the opportunity to show up. Later on, in one of Paul's letters in the book of Ephesians, Paul kind of demonstrates this same idea in relationship to Jews and Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, so this is a time when the Gentiles were not invited in, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so we see this in the example of the Gentiles and the Jews, that the Jews were not at one time part of the community and through Christ They were invited in, but again, they still had an intentional decision to make, to be proactively present. Am I going to respond to the call of Christ? And that same invitation continues to us today. God says, come and be with me. I care for you. I long for all of creation to be united with me in reconciliation. And each of us has the decision to make to be present with him, to respond to his call. And this is what we see throughout the whole of scripture. Jonah had a choice to make. Was Jonah going to show up jonah had been given the message but jonah had a choice was he going to show up mary had a mission but mary had a choice was she going to show up jesus had the message and act of redemption but jesus had a choice was Jesus going to show up and he showed us what it means to show up and that he left the glory of heaven to come and reveal his glory and the glory of his father here on earth and Jesus showed up and we have the opportunity to make that same choice to show up so what does it mean to show up first I think showing up means being reliable Are we going to be people who other people can count on? Is there going to be some sense of reliability and maturity in our life that we are going to be people who say when we're going to do something that we're going to do it, who say when we're going to show up that we're going to be there? And just maybe a very direct and specific challenge to us today, use your calendar and write in pen. (laughs) Don't pencil people in. Like, make a choice. Be somebody who's going to say yes, or somebody who's going to say no. Like, literally, we carry these devices with us all the time that have a thing on them that is made to put appointments in so we can be reliable people. Like, this is what it means to be mature. To be somebody who's reliable, who shows up when we say we're going to show up, who is present when we say we're going to be present. So showing up means being reliable. Another thing that I think showing up means is showing up means being consistent. Showing up means being consistent. Are we people who are in it for the long haul? Are we people in it who are in it when it's tough? Are we people who are in it when we don't feel like it? Are we people who are in it through the seasons? Are we in it through the highs and through the lows? Are we people who are consistent? Several years ago, I was just thinking about kind of my own experience in relationship and came to this place where I kind of began discovering that I think there are three stages of relationship. There's the first stage of a relationship which is kind of this like giddy newness. Like, oh, this person is fascinating and I, I want to get to know this person better or these people better or this group of people better. And it's so exciting. And after a few weeks or months or maybe you make it a couple years, you move into stage two and that stage two is just familiarity. It becomes the new habit and the edge of the newness wears off. And i think for a lot of us in stage two that's when we're tempted to run away because we love the thrill and the high of the newness and when relationship becomes familiar it could begin to feel stale or we think that it once contained something and then we discovered that it really didn't or we think we've gotten to know somebody and before we had this very limited picture of them. And because of that limited picture, we thought they were really awesome, but we're actually beginning to discover that they're human. And that's when we have the opportunity to either bail or to choose into consistency. And I think it's in this third stage of relationship when we are people who are willing to choose into it for the long term, for the long haul, that we really begin to find the beauty and depth of relationship that we as human beings are created for. This idea of pressing through what we may consider boredom or something that we begin to see isn't as polished as we thought it was going to be. But it's pressing through those difficult times or pressing through those familiar times into a deeper level of discovery that we begin to truly understand what intimacy means. And so this first idea, being proactively present, means we show up, but it's not just enough to show up. Showing up Is really important but there's more than that being proactively present means we show up and we give means we show up and we give I'm gonna brag on some people in the room um, this morning real quick Um, last week a bunch of people after the second service went to Chewy's to get some food um, up on Mills and I got there there were a few people there when I got there and I didn't know how many people were coming I just said hey give us a table for 18 and they gave you know they put together this long row of tables and Um, Pretty soon, the tables, all the seats filled up. There weren't any more seats there. And um, there were probably about another 10 people who came in after that. It was just really great big group of people there just hanging out. And there were several people who at that table of 18, every time a group or a person that we knew walked in the doors, several of them would get up and go and meet those people at the door, recognizing we didn't have any seats left at this table of 18. And then walked with them to, you know, the, the, what, the host. Yeah, the host. And then worked out like how we could get some more tables close to where we were. And it was just this beautiful, but very, very, very simple picture of what it means to be present in a place and attentive and to go out of your way to care for the people around you. And so it's not just enough that like people showed up, but just this picture of like, Several people getting up and going and meeting those people at the door and making sure they find a seat and staying at the table with them for a little while until some other people showed up so they weren't just sitting there alone. And it was just this beautiful picture of community. And there are really simple things that maybe seem simple but could be hard for us. Like this one for me is one of the lessons that I've kind of challenged myself into That i know is actually something that's really difficult for me but seems really simple that leadership is being the first to say hi in a room full of people leadership is being the first to say hi in a room full of people and how simple does that sound right but for me who like i find it difficult to kind of cross the the river into like being the person to shake somebody's hand and to kind of reach out, I'm, I'm mostly introverted. Like, it's really easy for me to stand up on stage and talk to all these people at one time. But you put me in a room of all of us standing up and talking and standing at tables and having drinks and all that stuff. Like, I kind of post up in a corner with one or two other people. And, like, that's where I feel at home. And so this idea of, like, being the first in a room full of people to say hi its a challenge to me. But I know that this is like, this is what it means to exhibit leadership. And as we mature as individuals, as we mature as part of a community, each of us is called into the opportunity to exhibit leadership. And so I say this not to say like, oh, there's people sitting in seats today and I'm talking about the people that we would quote unquote consider leaders in the church and this is for them. No, I think this is for all of us. All of us have the opportunity to exhibit leadership and that's what it means. This is a small picture of what it means to be proactively present and to show up and to give of ourselves. And this seems really simple but can be really difficult and there are really simple ways we can do this whether it's standing up at Chewies and walking and saying hello to somebody or like my friends Brent and Bonnie are here this morning. They've been in Zambia the last two years. Like they went and they showed up and they gave up their life, you know. And there's this big spectrum of ways we do that, but we all have been called to the opportunity to not only show up, but to give. Contributing to your environment means being attentive to the Holy Spirit and the needs of people. And I think that's what it means for us to give, is that I'm present in this place, I walk into this place, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm I'm looking out beyond myself in... Romans chapter 8, we see this idea of following the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And... It's something that we talk about a lot, like knowing who we are, knowing who God says we are. And in that, being able to walk into a space and not stand in that space as insecure orphans, but to know who God says we are and being able to walk into a space and being led by the Holy Spirit as we know who he says we are. And walking in with confidence and understanding what it is that he's calling us to. But sometimes, again, like that may feel complicated, it may feel complex, we may not always be really clear on what God's voice sounds like in that moment, but even without that, there are plenty of things that we already know that we're called to as followers of Jesus. Psalm 82.3 reminds us to defend the weak and fatherless, to uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. We know what it looks like when people around us have needs. And even if we walk into a space and we feel like, oh, I can't hear you right now, I'm a little confused as to what you're saying, it's so easy for us just to lift our eyes off of ourselves for a moment and look around the room and say, Lord, what are the needs in this place and how can I meet them? How can I care for somebody in this place? In January, uh, I was visiting a church with some friends in, um, in Brooklyn and I had never been there before, I knew a couple people that I was there with, but for the most part, I I was a stranger in the room, and the other people in the room were strangers to me, and uh, I don't find myself in that situation often, like, I'm here on Sunday, you know, and I know you, and we get to have those kinds of relationships, and so to step into a church environment and not know a lot of people isn't something that I experience on on a regular basis, but I was experiencing it on this, like, cold January evening in Brooklyn, and um, I walked in and just kind of like found a seat it was about to start and um, and afterward you know everybody stood up and people were hanging out afterward and talking and and I thought about like okay well what am I what what would I be telling other people to do right now I would be telling other people to go and say hello and like if you're new to a place like part of that onus is on you to step outside of yourself and and go and meet people and connect with them and so it's like okay I'll do that but As I started doing it, I was like, wait a minute. Even me doing this thing right now that I've told lots of other people they should do when they they step into a new environment of going and being proactive and saying hello to people and meeting people, I realized that even as I was doing that, I was doing it in a self-centered perspective. I was thinking, like, who could I connect with? Who is it that I could go say hello to? How can I get over feeling maybe alone or isolated in this environment? And it's this idea of showing up and giving that helps us go one step further. It's really wonderful to show up into a place and muster up the bravery. And trust me, I know how much bravery it takes. Mustering up the bravery to walk up to somebody and say hello. But how do we go even one step deeper than that? Where we don't just show up and connect, but we show up with the opportunity and expectation that we have something to contribute. That as we know our identity as sons and daughters of God and we know who he says we are and we know the things that he's called us to, that we can walk into an environment and we can step into that space and we we can say, Lord, what are you doing here? And how can I participate in it? And how can I serve people? To not only connect from the perspective of, okay, I'm supposed to do this because relationship is good, but to say, how can I move outside of my self-centered perspective and begin asking, what are the needs of the people here and how can we meet those needs? How can we not stand in a corner with a convenient distraction of our cell phone And like lift our eyes up from our cell phone and start looking at other people and saying lord like what do you have for me here how can i participate i've showed up let me be present and let me give of who i am to the people around me thank you man so we're proactively present you guys can make all kinds of noise I love it. I love it when people make, make noise. Um, being proactively present means we show up. It means we give. And this is the last piece of what we're talking about today. It also means that we receive. And I think when we talk about this idea of receiving, there's kind of two ideas related to this. this. The first of which is receiving means that we help carry one another's burdens. So it's me being present, not only being present, but being available to receive from the people around me and help carry their burdens, as in Galatians chapter six, we're encouraged to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So when we show up, we're present in this space, we know who we are, we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're giving of who we are, and then we open our hands and, and, and we're asking, like, how can I be present for you? how can I be available to you and that's vulnerable when we do that it's vulnerable to put yourself in a position where you're willing to receive from others and help carry their burdens carrying people's burdens isn't easy so it puts us in a place of vulnerability when we become available for other people this is like a big concept and I've talked about it a few times in in the acting world like just being present People talk about this and like being available for your scene partner. If you're in a scene with somebody else and you just like have up all of these walls, you don't make a great scene partner. Like good theater or good film is when you're seeing two people who are making themselves available to each other on screen. And there's a deep connection there. And that is, that is like a model for real life. Like show up and be present for one another because deep community happens when we make ourselves open and available. We can show up here on a regular basis. We can be reliable. We can be consistent in showing up. We can even show up and kind of have this output expectation of I'm giving this and I'm contributing that. But are we making ourselves available to connect with people in a deep place? Are we not only here fulfilling tasks and showing up and doing the stuff, but are we opening ourselves to each other as we open ourselves to the Lord? And of course, this needs to be practiced with discernment, caveat, 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 yes. I think we're all hopefully moving into a place of maturity where we understand that we need to do this with discernment. But let's move into a place where we're willing to open ourselves to deep community by making ourselves open and available. A few weeks ago, Ryan talked about transparency, vulnerability, and intimacy. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. What does it mean for us to be transparent? How are we showing ourselves to other people? What does it mean for us to be vulnerable? How are we then kind of like opening ourselves and kind of giving ourselves a piece of ourselves to other people? And then how are we cultivating true, deep community by allowing ourselves into levels of intimacy with the people around us? So that's the first way I think we can receive by being open and available and saying, I'm gonna help carry your burden. And then the other way that we can receive is knowing when to ask for help. Opening ourselves to say, hey, I need you in my life and I want to receive the things that the Lord has placed in you because I believe that I'm more whole and I'm broader and I'm better as a result of my willingness to invite you into my life and receive the things that you have to offer me. 2 Corinthians 8:13 through 15 shows this reciprocity. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And so we can kind of end this at the you know, physical goods line, but I think there's also this picture of relationship, that some days we're doing really, really great, and we feel like we're showing up with a clear identity and, and in a healthy place, and we're ready to give. But man, to acknowledge that some days we're showing up And we feel like we don't have much to give at all. And it's on those days where we have to be vulnerable and humble enough to acknowledge that and to invite other people into it. And each of us, every single one of us in this room, no matter what you believe about yourself, no matter how you think about yourself in the context of the other people in this room, whether you're young or old or rich or poor, or any other demographic by which you define yourself, You have things to give, and you have things to receive from the other people in the room. And when we're willing to be people who show up and give and receive, we all become stronger. We're twice as strong when we're willing to ask for help. We're twice as strong when we're willing to ask for help. That um, piano in the lobby where the buttons are all magnetized to it, which if you haven't gotten a button or aren't wearing it, would encourage you to do that. Uh, just a great way for us to simply know each other's names. Really great. Um, but that piano in the lobby, uh, it was actually on the side of the road in my neighborhood, and uh, it was like full of dead roaches and rat poop, and it was really gross. And uh, and it's also very heavy. So me and Daniel and Marcos got this pickup truck, and, and we uh, went and found this nasty piano on the side of the road and like we're trying to lift it. And of course, I could have never done that on my own and Daniel and I or Marcus and I could never have done that on our own. And in fact, the three of us could not do it. So uh, (laughs) we're out there struggling and I think it was maybe, it was summer of last year. So it's like July and we're trying, we're outside like in the middle of the street, no shade cover, trying to lift this piano up into the back of this truck. Horrible idea, don't try it. And so we're trying to do it and this neighbor of mine comes over and he's like um can i help you guys and we we're like yes please would love your help and you know we're thinking like oh he's gonna get on the fourth corner and we're gonna lift this thing into the end the truck together and he's like you know this would be way easier if you guys would just lift up one end and back the truck up and then lift up the other side and pushed it in and we're like you're absolutely right um we should definitely do that so he, He just brought a good idea and stood on the side and watched (laughs) as we accomplished the task. So when you ask for help, sometimes you're not only twice as strong, but maybe you're two times smarter as well. But we all have things to give. We all have things to receive. And all of that begins by showing up. just a couple of weeks we're going to have a Praxis Sunday and there's going to be an opportunity for us to engage in some specific ways with one another practicing this showing up giving receiving understanding who the Lord says we are understanding the gifts he've, he's given us understanding our needs and, and what we need from one another so we'll be talking about that again over the next few weeks but encourage you to begin thinking about that in your life and what role it might play so I'd like for us to all stand And we're going to end with practicing this. So you've all showed up. Thank you. Glad you're here today. If you've been sleeping, now is the time to wake up and be present with us. Um, And then uh, we're going to practice giving and receiving in just a really simple way. We're just going to pray for one another. And um, that may look like you, um, you know, saying, hey, I would love prayer for this and the other couple people in your group praying for you over that or um, you all just praying for one another or you know we talk about prophecy here what does it mean for us to be attentive to the lord and be able to speak into someone else's life and then as we receive those words having a deep level of discernment taking those before the lord and asking what does that mean for me so we're just gonna pray or speak words over one another. So um, would love for you to get in a group of three or four, and I'm um, just a second. In just a second, um, I'll say go, and you'll just kind of look at two or three other people around you, and you can give each other a head nod, and um, the three of you are gonna pray with one another. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. Just you know, stay there and stand there and be present in the moment, and just be willing to receive. Um, so groups of three or four pray, or if you feel like you have a word to speak of encouragement over the people around you, um, would encourage you to do that. So go, we'll give you a few minutes just to pray with one another. Obviously introduce yourselves as well. That'd be nice.